Hey, hey, hey out there. You're listening to The New World, the podcast by myself, Mr. Greg Colossal. We have a special show. We got some great talent sitting right across from me. Someone I've watched move from a young person all the way to a professional musician. Had a little rundown in Nashville, made some amazing recordings, ladies and gentlemen. We have an extremely talented young lady with us. We hope you enjoy this show. We're going to introduce her in just a minute. We're going to leave you a little suspense. Today's show is sponsored by Chevy. Buy one. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Greg Colossal on The New World. All right, is the suspense, ooh, that's crazy. Is the suspense killing you out there? That's right. Who is the special guest? Ladies and gentlemen, I'm proud to introduce uh, a young lady who can sing the paint off the walls. Her name is Miss Alex Flanagan. Ah, oh, my applause didn't work. Hi, Alex. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for hanging out on the podcast. Absolutely. Anytime. I'm happy you're here. We just had a little dinner. We got, I'm going to tell you... Um, she just cooked up a storm. We had some steak and some chicken and some vegetables. She rocked some avocado. So uh, one thing we do here at the New World is we eat before we pre-podcast that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had a little red wine and um, got some great company. We have a friend chilling on the couch while we record. So we're going to open up the doors here. Uh, Alex, we, we know each other from a long time ago. We'll talk about that later. But I really want to know... Uh, about your uh, performing career and how you ended up and what you did down in Nashville before before we start playing some tracks. So how did you go from, let's say, a New England girl singing and hanging out in high school or so to to getting involved in in a Nashville music scene? All right, let's see. So it all began. I was playing at the Hebron Fair, which I had gone too many times, but finally got a gig there with Don Donegan, if you oh, know well, him. Oh, well, yeah, guitar Shout guy, out. right? Yeah. yeah, that's where I learned how to play guitar. Uh, we had a great show, introduced myself to the sound guy as one should, and said thank you for mixing, we sounded great, um, and this man was Gino Mulcahy. Ah, uh, yeah, Gino, okay, makes he's, sense. He's the man, he's the absolute man, and uh, this this man connected me with songwriters, and so I'd, I'd moved to go to college, but instead I decided, uh, instead of having a music degree and, and music teachers, nothing mm-hmm. against it, tell yeah, me how to do it. I don't take it personally. I decided, let me just go to Nashville and see how it goes. And I went and and had success. And the rest is kind of history. And the rest is history. That's really all it was. It was, it was simple and, and beautiful, kind of. <laughs> so when you got down there, they, did you have like a full band? And how many pieces were in the band? And what was that... Did you just have a piano player or a guitarist? How did it work? Did you write a song and then put it in front of a band? How did that work? The majority of, of my time spent was writing mm-hmm. and, and kind of crafting how we wanted it to sound. But there wasn't a lot of... We did a radio tour, so we toured kind of around New England a bit, actually. Okay. But it was majority majority radio tour and then studio. We went to the studio. We realized we wanted to lay down the tracks. We wanted to get an EP, so release right. four songs. And that that was the majority of my time there, just in the studio. So did um, people who don't know music or record music, 
there's kind of a lot of people don't get it from from that style. There's a lot of um, technology these days doing a lot of the backing. So did you have real musicians playing real instruments who came in and and actually played each track, the bass, the guitar. For sure. You had so you had four or five pros behind. Oh, you? for sure. There were people from Jason Aldean's band. We had this beautiful, beautiful backup singer. Oh, I wish I could remember her name. She used to back up Reba McIntyre. She had the the lung capacity. It was insane. She was so I incredible. I love that. I was just presented with the most beautiful musicians. Well, you got for lucky. Real. Yeah, I got lucky. So who? Um, I remember first hearing one of your songs before you went to Nashville because I think I'm, I'm going to make this up and you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong, but you had a couple of songwriters, right? So that was all of the Nashville tunes written by one person in a sense, and then you had a different tune or a couple tunes written by someone else. Is that how it went? I, I'm totally trying to remember what I read, but is that accurate? Yeah. Yep. So I... so who was the who was your first songwriter? Tom Sebastian Damaro, his stage name was kind of Sebastian. Uh, Tom and I had a very good relationship, and that's where we wrote most of our music. And then we took, Gino introduced Tom and I, and then Tom and I went to Nashville with our songs, met Tim Rushlow of Little Texas, and Tim really just got the ball rolling. And Tim was a part of making the EP, and he was a part of some of the songs that went on the, that, that little record. Wow. So um, I've queued up some stuff. I hope you don't mind. I didn't tell you I was going to, but I found some of your stuff online. (laughs) And although we're not going to be able to play full tracks, I kind of wanted to introduce your stuff to the audience. Um, So the one that I got queued up first is, um, it looks like Diesel, Guns, and Rust. Is that right? Am I saying that right? (laughs) That's correct. That's a great name. So (laughs) so would you call yourself a country artist, or what what did you do down there? Uh, For sure, when I was there, it was country. Uh, Maybe more Americana. I know that was kind of a new thing. At the time, or maybe not new, new to me. Sure. But I, I'd say this song is certainly country. Yeah, this has, I, <laughs> I listened to it, it's got a little twang to oh, it. Oh, by far. <laughs> Any song that you could play the, the chains and drop chains in, that mm-hmm. means probably country, you know. It's good. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> listen up to this one. This is just, we're not going to be able to run all of our songs in completion. We'd be here for hours. So we're just going to give you a little snippet of this one. Check it out. I found it on YouTube. Um, I'm sure eventually it might go back on for sale. Um, so where, where can they find it, Alex? I, I'm sorry. I know Diesel Guns and Rust is still on Spotify. Oh, that's where you want to go. So it's on Spotify. For, for this one, for Diesel Guns and Rust, that's surely out there. So you're going to find uh, both this podcast and uh, Diesel Guns and Rust on Spotify. So use those resources. That really helps us as artists uh, because we have, we're, we're kind of still working out um, where we could find this stuff. There was a time, I recall, it wasn't too long ago, where I actually bought these tunes on iTunes. So, um, which, you know, I was happy to do. Very talented young lady. So let me see if I could cue it up. I think I, I hit some buttons here. And here is a little snippet of Diesel, Guns, and Rust. Alex Flanagan. Three to five at home, and boy, you 
All right. Wow, that's quite the tune, man. That is a hot song right there. It sounds, you know, I got to tell you, it sounds like it's a big band. They must have layered and mm-hmm. done something. I mean, it really does. I do hear chains. I think someone's smashing them. Oh, yes, that actually happened. Yeah, I can tell. <laughs> I'm hearing stuff that aren't instruments. That's awesome. Um, so when you're down in Nashville, what are you uh, what are you experiencing besides music? I don't I hate to say it this way, but I don't I don't want to talk so much. I want to hear you talk. So tell me what what you were experiencing down in Nashville aside from recording because that's your music gig. But you know you go from New England to, to basically the South, and well, what did you see? What did you learn? Oh goodness, I was so immersed in music that was m- mostly my total life. It was but it was my first time living alone, so that was exciting. I uh, I bartended to pay the bills because music didn't do that for me. No. <laughs> I know, that's shocking. Uh, it was just being social, living in Nashville. I had wanted to be there for a while, so actually being able to be there, be on Broadway, s- sing songs at Tootsie's and play out at, th- at these famous places that that everyone has heard about. It, again, my, most of my life was immersed in music. It, it truly, it was a quick very quick three years of a lot of success for me and I'm grateful, but it was, it was a lot of that. A lot of amazing people. I, I I don't have anything too negative to say until the point in which, uh, after the record came out and I started getting radio play, I got top like 32 on the billboard charts, which was like the thing to speak of. That was, that was a dream. That success. It was sweet. And then I realized that I had become a, 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 you know, a commodity. It's a business. It's called the music business for a reason. No hate, all love. But I realized very quickly that if I wanted to continue on this path, in order to to get paid or make the the money to to survive, that I had to start being what people told me to be. So the the only negative part I would say is is kind of having having to. Uh, I either had to cho- choose to to mold to be what people wanted me to be in that music business or again move in a different direction and I, I guess I kind of chose to move in a not away from music but I, I didn't like people telling me to cut my hair or talk a certain way or look a certain way so my success was cool but I did separate yeah well that's pretty common everybody will tell you and it's not just in in the business um you know you think about it you become a lawyer and uh you mm. you go into a courtroom and let's say you want to have pink hair and five um, uh, you know, um, let's say uh, piercings in your face and a dragon tattoo on your forehead. You think mm-hmm. you have the right to do that, and and technically you do, but society and and the world kind of shapes what they want to have you, you look like or appear to be. It's it's a it's a horrible reality, and it doesn't sound American because we believe in our freedom of expression. But you learn it as you get older. It happens to I swear it happens in every single every single career. And the difference about music is that you are the muse. You literally are the, uh, the, the tincture that they're selling. And, uh, to, and that's where it gets a little bit controlling. And, and you could probably see with just that little bit of uh, professional experience you ran there, you could see where many young ladies fall off the deep end mm. from oh, just yeah. and boys from drinking the Kool-Aid and playing the game and you know, if, if people start offering you seven figures. Oh, it's, it's, I understand it completely. Again, no hate to the music business. I was a commodity. It's, a, it's called the music business for a reason. Right. Yeah. So I, that's, it's, I just, maybe I realized I, that at that capacity wasn't for me. I didn't need fame and a ton of money. I just wanted to create and, and vibe. Right. With people. And, and that's where um, the, f- the most infamous start of that 
uh, what you felt was created by Elvis Presley's manager. So it was the colonel, known as the colonel. He was the first hmm. person to, um, well, rock, you know, let's let's say like it is. Elvis was the first real true pop rock icon of that power. He really put it put it on the map, and his manager in the music business made one of the most lucrative and sour deals ever. To this day, is still in effect, where the colonel gets fifty percent of everything Elvis Presley or his estate invents, creates, or sells. And he did that all the way back in like 1953 with um, Heartbreak Hotel. So that is a very dark deal when you understand how Elvis lived and how Elvis died, Mm -hmm. the influence. So you're not, uh, you tasted, you got a little taste of what was supposed to happen. And uh, you could see what in the big picture why people suffer in that world. So you knew what you wanted. That's what makes people better. You know what you wanted. You know, that's amazing. So, but I'm not going to let you get off the off the uh, tip too easy because I got another one lined up here. It looks like Fool's Game. Can you tell me something about Fool's Game? Do you remember recording it or telling me something that you know about it? Oh yes, this was the most vocally taxing song. I would say definitely had to be warm for this one. This was hard to do live. Probably most proud of it vocally, but this was a song that was rip- written by. Um, well, Tim Rushlow is who introduced this to me, so we kind of threw this together and. Again, my experience in Nashville was it was pristine. It really, really was. It just happened. I met these beautiful people. They said, "Let's do this." We rehearsed. We made it the way we wanted it, and and we made a, a little record. I, I it I don't have a lot to say just yeah. because. Well, one thing that's beautiful about music is it lasts forever. So this, yeah, I have the same little group of stuff in my life where you get to this is forever, and that part of your life has been literally recorded in an audio sense for memories that you'll never, ever forget and a great mm-hmm. time in your life. Um, I, music to me is is almost timeless. So whatever you're choosing to do with your life or being, it doesn't matter because this is you and this is the art that you made. So I love that because even today, um, a, a Netflix show would want to buy your song. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You know, if you, if you fell down a flight of stairs and couldn't perform anymore, you still made music that like I said, if Netflix wants it, you could, it's still a song performed by Alex Flanagan. So it's it's timeless, which is also very beautiful. Well, it was cool because it it emotionally. The reason I guess I connected with it was because emotionally, it's called Fool's Game, and it's about being in a relationship. It doesn't have to necessarily be a romantic relationship, but that's where my head was at, at the time. And it's Fool's Game. I'm, I'm running around in circles. Am I like, you know, kind of what am what am I doing? I. <laughs> I gotta tell you, um, I'm. What's I think happening? it's happening to me, kind of. <laughs> it's kind of happening to me, even though uh, I'm not traditionally uh, tied in with someone. But yeah, if you feel like a fool, yeah, you run around and go, "Do you like me? Do I like you? Do you like me? Or do we like each other? Are we liking each other? What yep. is this? It's a very, I, you know, I gotta say, buddy. Now that you said it, I think somebody does it to somebody. No, oh. I don't really believe there's both people feel a fool. <laughs> I think somebody makes you feel a fool. But that's for another show. That's not a music show. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. This is Alex Flanagan's. Fool's Game. Days and days keep slipping by Not sure I should try To get a hold of you Or get a message through can we lift up where we left off? And is it worth the cost of dreaming? What a 
takes to make it all come true. We went racing down a winding road, so fast and far that now there ain't no easy way back home. We're playing a fool's game, running around in circles, playing a fool's game, where believing ends up hurtful. When the music starts, the dance won't feel the same. Playing a fool's game. Boy, I can identify with this song. How many people out there can't identify with what she just said? That was amazing vocal right there. You know, sometimes I uh, I gotta I can't lie I, I disregard vocals accidentally, but uh, boy that yeah it's such a you know it's the beauty of love it's the beauty of the risk and and wondering of what's happening and and putting your heart on the table. I mean that's what most music kind of kind of stirs around that. And it's very it's funny because mostly men. Men sing about the vulnerability they feel in in the in the pop industry. You kind of hear women do it, but often it's a scorned p- approach. You know, take the Louisville slugger and smash that dude's car oh, because yes. he hurt you. I feel and you. Taylor Swift is just notorious for the revenge singing. Mm-hmm. And you have you have the, like the um, Tori Amos and the Sarah McLaughlin, the real the even this new Lauren Daigle folks. If you haven't heard Lauren Daigle. Go buy her stuff. Amazing person. Yes, I second that. Oh, my God. So they, they're starting to, it's a little different. But the sensitive thing, guys don't always hear that. You know, we don't hear that in a lot of music. We want to hear that. We want to believe you feel as as broken as we do, as we pursue. So it's nice. A fool's game is nice. Well, it comes back down to me having male writers on my team. That might, see, that. I, I didn't mean to even put that together. Oh, but for real. For real. And I was with some real, you know, emotionally open, aware men that wanted to talk about how they felt it was very cool you know i gotta tell you since we're taking a little sidetrack um we love you guys you know that right men love you guys we love you and if you knew even though it may not appear the way that should in some opinions or in, in the movies or through the real sensitivity of a female's affection if you were inside of us you would you would be super impressed with what happens to us when we when we fall in love with you or how we when we want to serve you when we want to be with you it's a um as you get older you know i'm in my mid 40s i've been in the game i was 11 when i first had my heart really involved with a girl i was a little i was a little advanced i hear but i loved this girl at 6th at and 7th grade enough to to really write letters and, and walk home i mean i walked home from her house in the rain that was about 5 miles I'm like 11 years old. No, it was like eight miles. This was very, that's very natural, you know? And so as men, I don't think uh, we get enough credit. In this new day and age, we're monsters. We're we're toxic masculinity. We're, we're, We're all these monsters' names. But truly... When you hear the songs that we've written, it's always about a girl. Oh, yeah. It's always. And it's I kind of want us to get credit. It's beautiful to hear a female voice, you know, sounding like how guys feel. No, I'm not judging females poorly, but it's pretty awesome. I didn't realize that, and I've listened to Fool's Game for years now, so mm-hmm. it's, kind of, it's kind of refreshing. Oh, no, it's cool. Yep. So can I cue up another one? I just, I want to hear... Um, You're the one in control. Is it falling in? Is that one going to come up, you think? Oh. Or all the way to you? 
I think all the way to you too, is going yeah. to be your best bet. All right, so let me just see what happens. Give me one second out there in La La Land. Once again, folks, you know you're listening uh, to the new world. Um, and I'm queuing. I'm doing a DJ thing. I got this super talented chick in front of me. So sometimes I mess up. But let me just see if I can cue this and let's see what happens. And here it comes. That is, I got to say, that is a great song. That is a catchy tune right there. Oh, it soars. Who wrote that? So that's Tim Rushlow. Wow. That yep. is, that's a smoking song right there. Yep. Um, you know, again, we talked earlier about, you know, you've been produced in a sense and supported by all these great talent. Um, and I know um, I'm going to probably pull on a heartstring as I um, search for uh, a very important song. But can you do me a favor and tell everybody out there, uh, a little bit about this incredible man named Tom Sebastian. Mm. <laughs> uh, Tom. Again, as I had said earlier, playing at the Hebron Fair, met Gina Mulcahy, mixing sound, the best dude ever. Uh, he's like, you know what, I got a, I got a songwriter that... Uh, but I feel like you could just vibe with. We can do this. And it, from that moment on, we spent hours on end together talking, writing, playing, crying, just being together. Uh, went to Nashville, did our thing. We. It, so you went to Nashville alone with Tom? We to went together, recorded, and then I moved there after to push the music along if sure. you will he yeah. had you know life back in connecticut in middletown mm -hmm. connecticut uh and i came from glastonbury That's so right. yeah. we are close enough and uh so we kept in touch 
through there and the diesel guns and rust that was like his baby that was our baby that song because it's a story song it's over four minutes which which is whoa, not whoa, whoa. heard for I, the radio i gotta cut you off tom sebastian wrote diesel guns and rust yeah i did not fit, put that together okay thank you oh for sure yep and it that was it's a story song. It's unheard to get a song on the radio that goes over three, three and a half minutes. So right. the fact that that was getting radio play mm-hmm. at the amount of time that it was was unheard of. It was amazing. So success happened. Billboard charts. Life was good. And the heartstrings part that yeah. you mentioned, uh, things are going well. And, and I guess this maybe, now that I think about it, maybe also has to do with why I d- maybe decided to come home. Uh, to be with my family and the ones that I loved because I got a call one day and Tom said, uh, hey, Al. Well, he'd say, dude. He would always call me dude. Dude. Uh, I'm like, yeah, what? So uh, I uh, I have cancer. I have lung cancer, apparently, stage stage three to, three to four, somewhere in there. I'm like, wow. F- freaking great, great. And within three months, he was gone. Wow. And it was absolutely tragic. That was, I have had loss in my life at that point, but that was, that was epic and sooner than I realized. And he was my lifeline. That was the other part of my soul at this point. Because in order to make music together, as you've probably experienced Mm -hmm. thousands of times, we connected on this level. And And even being on stage together, we don't have to talk. It was amazing. And... It it was so it was just very cool to to, to know him a, as a person, and so he's no longer in this on this planet or in this this plane. But yeah, Tom is a that's um, moved on. That's a uh, it's sad, Alex. It's really sad to hear. It I'm, is. I'm sorry to uh, to have pulled that out of you. One uh, one thing that um I could tell you because I did have the pleasure of meeting Tom and. I watched your career from afar, in a way, and um, when uh, I think it's it's probably time to uh, I don't know we're very close to cutting through the chase, which I didn't think I would do, but I, I don't want to uh, play a game too much longer. Alex Flanagan is somebody that, um, as a little lady, I helped uh, get singing at eleven and twelve years old, and uh, watched her grow into the machine that you just heard. We're doing this podcast all professionally and like adults. But I also am emotionally uh, um, happy to admit that this young lady was a tiny kid, and now she's standing in front of me as an as a as a mature woman. Tom, I got to watch Tom take control of this lady's voice and her spirit and her soul, and uh, be as delicate as I would have been, if if not even more. But also as substantially professional as you need to be to be in Nashville. So. Watching them make music together was a very, very awesome thing for for my perspective. And the music, with all due respect to all of the other tunes that we just heard, and to the boys in Nashville, not in Middletown, I, I was always very adamant that something happened between you and Tom. Something for sure. Something yes. was so raw that I could not ignore it. It wasn't a favoritism. I didn't know how to tell you that because, of course, Nashville is glamour and lights and big names and power players Mm -hmm. but I was trying to say that there was something happening with this song this one song in particular and um, I didn't want to it's not my business I just was musically interested in you I watched you grow up and I said this song is killer 
And uh, I want to play that song for the audience. I think you know which one that is. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's you sure. can find this song. At least you could hear it. It's definitely on, on YouTube. It's definitely on YouTube. Don't watch the music video. Uh, no, she's just <laughs> shy. She's just shy. She was young and, and not into acting as well as she wants to think she was. No, it was. I was maybe seventeen, nineteen. Oh my it was, god, it, that's it, crazy. It, you know. Yeah, you're young. Yeah, it was like 12 it was, years no, ago. No, it was, it's beautiful. Watch, watch. Ladies the music and gentlemen, video. forget about what you see because it's uh, all about what you hear. Oh, for real. Listen. And I mean it. What you hear to me is one of the most spectacular uh, songs that I've ever really been connected to biologically, meaning watching and helping the singer grow. Um, I've, I've been around the block with music, but this song and this girl changed me. It was. 10 or 12 years ago when it did and still to this day she doesn't always want me to tell her this but it to me it's it's her best song and it's her most powerful use of the unique instrument that she has as a voice so ladies and gentlemen enjoy what you're about to hear this is tom sebastian's gonna love you anyway featuring alex flanagan on vocals oh there's a little little intro Sunday, 12 a.m hey it's me I don't think we should see each other anymore. Bye. End of messages. Tell me, are you asking me to stop? It's just something I do Are you asking me? 
There you go, ladies and gentlemen. A song that I would believe she may not agree because she has a right to. It might be one of her uh, most powerfully recorded songs. It affects me. It affected me 12 years ago or 10 or so. And um, throughout her career, as watching, you know, I'm kind of letting the cat out of the bag. Um, th- that tune, um, it's, it just, it just really, it just really rings true. I think it's, I really do think, Alex, it's a song that. Um, I really believe it should be around. It should be around the whole entire country, if not the world. I agree. I, and I just, um, I don't ever lose faith in that song. Uh, it's none of my business, but I am a supporter and I am a fan. And uh, losing Tom and uh, the other losses that you had in your life, you, I know that um, Tom's, Tom's death was tragic and when it happens fast. And, you, you know, you got to give yourself some credit there, kid, because you were young. When you're young yeah. and 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 yeah. your one of your mentors goes, it's 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 not common, you know. But then, then you got another you got another blow for being young. And mm-hmm. I didn't want to bring it up, but what what happened next to kind of rock your little world there? Well, so to start from where we ended, lost Tom. That that was it was traumatic. It was it was a bit rough, and I I had this you know, cathartic, catharsis, you know, moment where I said, you know, I liked, I like what I did. We succeeded. Tom, we did it. You know, I talked to him a lot. I still talk to him. Uh, And I realized I wanted to be home. I was away from my parents. I'm very close to both of my parents. Uh, I have beautiful friends here. I had just met uh, my, my, new boyfriend when I was back in Connecticut I was hanging out with my best friend like visiting for a holiday or something you know Mm -hmm. and I realized the people I loved were there and although music was very important to me I can I can do that anywhere so I had come back and uh very soon after I I don't know how much detail like whatever you're comfortable with this is your show you know we're we go deep and we you're right this is the Alex Flanagan show that's right Uh, well we love you here so we want you uh, to you know uh, you, you spill it. We'll yeah. Listen. So I, I I felt this pull to come home, and and Tom w- was a, a part of it. He mm-hmm. he he implant the days before he he passed. We didn't know he was going to, but you know it happened in three months. We were supposed to have a year. Days before he had passed, we chatted, and he said, "Go be with the people you love, or be do do what you want to do," which mm-hmm. is what I've heard people say when they're. That's what people say when they're at the end of their life. And, um, and so I came home and was, was living at home, spending time with my boyfriend, Michael and being with my mother and, and being with my father. Now they both lived in separate households in one day. Uh, and uh, I guess backstory, Tom and my father, they were back in Nashville, became best buddies with, with Doug, um, Van Houten, who's also my, my father's family member they all like went to school together they're all best buddies came home and and got to be around my father and tom you know once in a while and so came home to be around everybody and uh one day i just got this weird vibe and wasn't hearing from dad and uh again at that time tom was his best buddy 
And uh, in my head, Tom's like, go check on him. Go check on him, you know. So I go and uh, check on him. And mind you, this is Tom's birthday that we end up going to check on my father. And uh, my boyfriend and my mother went with me, went into the house and found my father. He had passed away, completely unexpected. Wow. It was absolutely traumatizing. Did um, you just say that your dad passed on Tom's birthday? On Tom's birthday. That See, in, in life has taught me that that is not a coincidence. It, I, it's, I don't, I, you know, I don't, I, yeah. So the chances <laughs> of, you know, one in 360, it's just not, it's it not It was insane to me. They were, they were it was there was something there it was magical and for that we didn't realize until a bit after you know didn't connect certain yeah, things there are a lot of things we connected after the weeks right. before he had passed like right. when we were setting up his funeral i was calling his closest friends and they're like no no we just heard from him 2 weeks ago mm. seven of his closest people just heard from him 2 weeks ago yeah so that i i started to realize those those you know maybe not serendipitous is the right word but those those weird connections but he passed on tom's birthday that's unbelievable i, I didn't i didn't even i didn't know that that is unbelievable and yeah you know um life teaches me that that is not a coincidence that mm-hmm. is that is some um that's some burden and lesson and uh memory that you are supposed to have the lessons of that well i mean if you think about it it's two men that mean the most to you had left on the same date in a way and were brought in and left. Oh, for sure. For sure. So that has, that has some symbolism there and the music making with Tom and of course, you know, your dad. So there's, there's a lot of beauty in that. There's a lot of beauty in that. Oh Um, no, it's, it's been beautiful. It's, it, it really is. That's what, that's what moves me through. I have a picture of the two of them giggling together on the top of my piano. So whenever I play, I see them, it's, but yeah, that was one of those moments. I loss happened so quickly in that span of time right. that I, I learned. I learned a lot. I, I lost a lot. I mm. lost f- friends and family, and I lost uh, best friends. I lost. I lost right. people through me and th- through through my loss. I, I lost a lot. Well, what happened to me? And I've understood. It's trauma, you know, Alex. You experience trauma when you have that much hurt. And no matter how grounded and well-rounded you are, oh no, the, I, the, I changed the, the life. Sh- it shocks you. That's a yeah. lot of grief. And then as you go through life with your eyes wide open, with some pain, you know that's what grief does. Um, it's not always. It's it's hard for people to relate and understand as much as they like to believe they can and they should and they should be. Uh, you know, you would think, but it causes. It's happened to me. I'm only telling you what I've done to people by accident. Um, if I if my heavy stuff um, isn't welcome on people who who haven't had heavy stuff, I just hadn't learned it until that point. It well, was, it's, it's a, it was they, everybody will. You have to learn, I guess, by experience. But you you will. It everybody was crazy will. to learn to, to to learn that I lost two of the 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 people that I held highest in my life were were musicians. It was Tom and and. Now that we've admitted right. that we are close, right. you are up there and on, as a musician, connecting on on this this crazy, crazy spiritual level that I can't really explain any other way than saying it. For me, it's a musician creative. Well, it's it's the repetition it, of all the time. I probably spent. know. How yeah, to but explain it better. You, but. With with all due respect, being a young person, I trained you as a young person. Yeah. There's a lot of subliminal messaging. But I brought that into other parts of my oh, life. Right. Because you're you're then as you're in your teen years and your young adult years, you are your your instrument, your talent is so solid 
that I knew you were I knew you were a smoking performer. I knew it. I was like, man, this woman can sing. And then other people catch on. So you're in the auspice of a teacher and the safety of a school. But I knew. I was like, this is a cannonball. She's got to be fired out. And they came. They came looking. They came to. They but I still beautifully found Tom. Well, that's not as so, a that's, person that that's supposed to connected, be connected, right. not just. Well, yes, because of, of talent and being able to perform, but I found well, you, more you, people on this planet that are absolutely exquisitely connected to the universe. It was really freaking cool. Well, remember, a lot of people don't know this, but when you sing, the part of your brain lights up that also lights up when you have a spiritual moment or an aha moment. When you have Oh, a yeah, spiritual aha, if I may say cocaine and sure, sugar right, and right. any, it's, 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 it's that the the happiness neural pathways that the when you have a an, an exposure to a powerful move that it literally is they 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 tied up the brain they put the sensors on it and they show mm-hmm. the lighting that's why uh that's why when you sing or make music or connect musically that's why it feels like you're praying a lot of people will say they don't go to church or believe in God. the musicians just know we're talking to a higher power every single time we operate and the and science has proven why because the exact part of the brain lights up on the on the on the big whatever pictograph of which you know is the same thing as praying yeah. and having a godlike moment. So what you're referring to is your connection to other people. A lot of people don't understand why music is so cool. It's an unspoken power between oh, a bunch it's of people. So cool. And and then because it's of the so good. repetition it becomes very addictive. Because yeah. you are seeking that joy again and again and again. And you throw an audience, some applause and some cash and maybe mm. a drink or two, and it's a great, it's an amazing way to live. It really has been some of the most, most, most best memories I've ever had. But yeah. we're uh, behind the scenes, not to knock, um, we know, I think there's some people behind the scenes that help produce you as well. Yes. Um, I thought maybe it would be smart to to talk about, or at least give them a mention. For sure. Well, with the last song, um, Gonna Love You Anyway, which again is on, I think it's only on YouTube at I've this point. I've only found it on YouTube. Um Rob Trelor had this, uh, he lives, well, I don't know where he lives now. We are a little bit disconnected, but he had a beautiful studio in Middletown, and that's where we recorded this. And I, I'm, I guess, a bit ashamed that I can't remember all of the other musicians that were on this. I guess I wasn't mentally prepared to list all the all of the names, but Rob Trelor was, was the, you know, the engineer on all of this, and he really made it sound the way that it does and really sold it for just the beautiful thing it is. Yeah. His son, Dave, is is the one on the um the vo- the voicemail early in the oh, really? the whole thing. We like the, we really just went for it. It was very cool. And then if you do watch the video, I said don't watch it, but watch it. Just watch it. You should really watch it. Uh I love it. I mean, I, I love it with. It's I just mean, silly to look back. Well, I, it's you look like a little kid. It's crazy. I can't, oh my gosh! I've, it's yeah. been eighteen years. I've been hanging with you for eighteen years. Um, but so, the guy in it is Dave Aslaki, who you can find. He's he's classically trained. Mm-hmm. This man is absolutely insane on the guitar. Yeah, I've absolutely seen absolutely nuts. So if you're he just produces looking a for lot some of, cool people, he produces <laughs> a lot of people. He's definitely he was with or was behind. Dana Lauren, who is a strong singer out of, I think, Central Connecticut. I found her mm-hmm. on uh, on social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got some pipes. You know? Oh, yeah. And I think um, I've seen them them working together, and I could tell he makes his way uh, around talent because he's so strong as a player. So He's incredible, and he's an incredible dude. But again, my, my music, my whole music journey mm-hmm. has been... To talk myself up, it's been stunning. I was introduced yeah. with... 
a person that believed in music so much and taught me the beauty of it. And yeah. I, I was capable of taking it through my whole life. Like, truly, thanks. Thanks to you. Thank you. Well, I, that was. I have to say, I do. It, it wasn't. Was it was. Well, that's very nice of you. I loved you. I think you just saw a teacher who loved his life. Yes, and I learned that I can love my life and and also and and love music and I I oh oh I can do that. Right. This is that's what I can do. Right. That's, that's what I can do. Okay. That was okay. That was the gift Got that was it. given to me, Alex. So when I was given that gift by at fifteen and uh, encouraged and trained and pushed, mm -hmm. I was overwhelmed with the happiness of the attempt to chase. My mind was not to be a recording artist, but mine was to be a teacher, a performer and all the things that I am. But I was happy. And all I could do, all I wanted to do was meet someone, a kid, just like yourself, and I met thousands, who would feel the same way that a man made me feel. And I uh, I was 15 and he was 55. Wait, was this Mr. Yeah, Elias? That's right, Mr. Elias. Mr. Elias. So with just his name, with just his initial, his name was Mr. E. Mr. But we e. would say Mr. E. You know, Mr. E. Oh! So Mr. Elias was my life changing. He's I, I could talk to him about forever. He changed my life yeah. um, and he believed in me and he built me up in a way that no one has ever has. I mean, it was, and it be, I became the teacher that I wanted to be because I thought every teacher did that. How do you, who spends four periods a day with somebody for years? Who, who brings you after school and looks after you and makes you write? Who grabs you by the shirt when you're failing math and saying, get your shit together, Colossal? Mm -hmm. Who bakes cakes and brings them to rehearsal? Who throws you his keys to a brand new Mazda Miata and says, pick up the hot dog rolls for the picnic? And I, it was a brand new convertible cherry red car and I'm 17 years Ooh. old. The love and compassion yeah. he had for his students, I thought, was how it always was and always would be. Oh, I think that's how it should be. It should be. But well, the, the, he, he, we could get into so many topics. Well, I think maybe we should. but <laughs> We will. So we will. Um, so but, I do yeah. appreciate you understanding that that's all I did. So my influence, I was happy to to want to make you as successful as I can. And everybody else I, I tried to came in contact with. But, you know, in music, there is there, there's a reality that's not nice to say, but some people have an instrument along with a presence and an awareness, and they need emotional intelligence, which often comes from pain. Now, I can't assume mm. you had it, but I just knew that when you put those things together, the child or the performer is, a, is, a, is an instrument in itself. It's nothing to do with me. I just go, uh-oh, there's some power, and then I can push you over, over the wave. But it really came from you. I hear you, though, and I can agree with that. I mean, based on my personal experience, but even back in the day when we were doing music together, you know, mm -hmm. through your company. Yeah, Backbeat City. Through Backbeat City. That's right. I, uh, gosh, you were you were a mentor. You were you were amused to the way that I I, I uh, muse. Do I call you? You could, you know, it's is, okay. is muse gender it's not, specific? No, it muse means, almost no. seems feminine. I don't well, know. Is no, it not? I just used it the other day. I can't believe you're saying this. This is creeping me out. My buddy came last night and he said, um, he used the word muse. And I said, you know, without a muse, there is no music. That's what the word comes from. Muse is the derivative of music. Yeah. What is a muse? Well, you could think of it as being the nymph that you know entices the, the, the yeah. artist who writes a song because, oh, they're... But a muse, to me, is the energy that makes you perform. And if, if I helped you do that, because you're, the relationship is you're, you're um, vulnerable and in front with lights and a microphone, 
and I have to enforce or reinforce your um, the foundation underneath you. We are a team. No one wants to hear me just jam out without their, and then no one wants to hear you sing without music all the time and really for hours. So it's a team. It's a it's how you build a house. There's a foundation, and then the next floor. So I I I I feel. I feel uh, pretty good that you thought of me as a musician. Oh, no, it's insane. You taught me how to, I, I was c- capable of, of learning truly who I was and how to move through the world in a way that made me comfortable, in a way that made me know who I am. Right. In, in a safe space where I felt loved and was able to give love to well, other you, people that had gone through a lot of crap, too. It was, it was absolutely insane. I am so fortunate. Well, I, I feel the same way. You were a little bit older. Yeah. And um, I don't think you understand the kind of energy that you brought. So you, because you allowed me to uh, put you out there as a leader of solos and different songs in the early days, I mean, when in our early, early days, you set a standard that would affect 134 zip codes out of 169 in our state. You, uh, almost single-handedly, which isn't nice to say, but in a way, solo-wise, with your stage presence, with your energy, your self-belief, your raw range, your bluesy style, me on Hammond organ and piano, it was not what children have ever seen. If it was a children's thing or a school thing, it was unique and different. And I knew right away. And you went out like a savage into the audience. You never, ever batted an eye. You attacked what I needed you to attack and established that Backbeat City was and is going to be the most profound place in New England. And I didn't do it. You did it with me. And together we're like, well, who's next? Mm. You see how we roll? You see how hard we roll, kids? And what is kids? It kids? was so raw, though. That's oh, the word. It so was so raw. raw and real. And we're like, let's do this. Do you want? Let's go. Do you let's remember go. your Michael Jackson song? Ooh. There is no one. I Even Michael Jackson called me from heaven. He's like, that chick got it. You ripped that song <laughs> so hard. I couldn't believe you went to the audience and sang right up and on them with oh. a wireless mic. You ran down the stairs, and I was like, "She's she's gonna do it." And you went, you how you were fearless. The spotlights couldn't even stay on you, and you ripped into you ripped into the audience. And I'm telling you, that was the beginning of having the entire state say, "What is this? Who are they? Who do they think they are? What are they, how come they're not singing about sparrows and clouds? Is this appropriate? What is she doing? Who is that? Why are they jamming?" Are th- is that a is that street temperature as the backup band? Wasn't street temperature the hottest funk band in mm-hmm. Connecticut? Who is this girl? She's going to Nashville. Who are these people? They're in a garage, right? All of that stuff is real. Yes. And then, do you remember when your producers came to the show? They came to the garage. I saw Tree Lore and yes. maybe Tom. So yes, we, we were just yeah. They came to Backbeat City at the City. beginning. Right, I had a party. And said, Alex, I need you to sing. And the garage, it was, folks, Backbeat City was a garage <laughs> that was. I turned that I told everybody was a school. It was filled with lawnmowers before me. It was a and city. The, and so I, she, this young lady ripped it so hard that the, the, the producers that she just um, named got very excited to see the audience's response to her. And within 12 months, she was wished, wished away and, and off into Nashville. So I remember all that very clearly, Alex, mm-hmm. and that was through your yeah. your energy and your ability to perform. Something that I, I still don't think you can see clearly because no. of how humble you are. You just don't see what I saw. Well, even j- the fact that I didn't remember that specific moment, you're right. I'm missing. I'm missing some parts of stuff. Well, it's, 
I'm uh, missing some. I'm maybe made of spare parts at this point. That's uh, that's because you're so old now. <laughs> you're just so old. When yeah, you're 30, thirty years. It's but it's been a long run. So uh, just to help you put it in perspective, <laughs> I when you did that for me, I was thirty three. So I, I was nineteen. I was gonna say nineteen. Or you were nineteen. Yeah. Um, but I just like to tell you, show you that, like. Just because you're 30. Oh, so you, you want to tell me that I'm not doing as much? No, I'm trying to show you life. that. Look at how weird. <laughs> just so you know, when you're looking at me, I was just a couple years older than you are now, and you went batshit crazy with a microphone. That's crazy. Right. That's I just like to tell you so you could put it in perspective. Like uh, you're just a, you're close to the age I was when I was like, can you run out and be crazy with the microphone? You're like, it is. Hell yeah, I'd be happy to. And you rip. Oh, for the rest of my life. I gotta tell you, you don't get enough accolades for Jesus Christ Superstar. Oh my, oh my Lord! Let me tell you, oh my Jesus! We took that song and (laughs) shredded it. There's, I don't care what you say, that was the hottest version of 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 Jesus. No, no one does that. No one does that. That was sweet. We got it. Do you want to pull it up? Can you find it? I don't. I don't have it. Believe me, if I want, I wish we recorded that because I even when we were doing it, I'm like, it felt. It felt. You dif- so it raw. felt different. We we knew as a group. I do have a picture of you singing it in the blue. Oh, I have, oh. do have a picture of you singing. I just it's obviously it's not the same, but yeah. So when we look back, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we we reminisce there from twelve years old when she arrived in seventh grade chorus, and all I saw was the side of her face. And then as we move into uh, <laughs> singing as a young adult at Backbeat City, and then as she moved in, uh, got swept up by the Nashville uh, crew. And then went and performed and recorded what you heard today. So there's a lot of history between Alex and I. I'm very happy that she's on the podcast. Uh, we're going to uh, take it out with one of her songs. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are so happy you tuned in to the New World. I'm Greg Colossal on behalf of Alex Flanagan, all of us here at the New World. We're going to say, enjoy this track. Here's Alex Flanagan's All the Way to You. Flashing blue. 